0: Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Uh, My name is Greg Brady. If I haven't met you, I'm the pastor here at Hope Church. So glad that you are worshiping together with us today. If you're online, thanks for worshiping at home. Um, I'm going to have our message now, and then shortly after that, have communion if you're at home and want to get some uh, communion elements ready. um, Please take some time to do that invite you to open up to Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37. We are in a series on being a disciple of Jesus. The past two weeks we looked at the core teachings of Jesus and today we are going to look at core actions. We're going to take this week and next week to look at core actions of a disciple. I'm going to read a um, a familiar story as we are going through this, I want you to listen for um, core actions of a disciple. What do you see going on in this story that that tells us this is how we are to live as disciples of Jesus? And then I'm going to quiz you on it. No, I'm not going to quiz you on it. Um, but I do want you thinking about uh, what you see going on in this story. Let's read, starting with verse 25. On one occasion... An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, "This is the law you're speaking. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live but he wanted to justify himself and so he asked Jesus and who is my neighbor in reply Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers and they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and sent him away and went away leaving him half dead a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man he passed by on the other side so to a Levite when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word, we ask that it would be a living word for us today that Um, you would be the one teaching us this morning. Um, We we humble ourselves before you. Show us what it means to truly learn from you and follow you, be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a familiar story. It's a very surprising story. And um, I'm going to point out a couple of the the surprises in the story. And, And one may be, a surprise that you haven't considered before, maybe. Um, and it starts actually at the very beginning. It's not a part of the parable that Jesus says, but what happens right before it. So we have this lawyer that is very concerned with his salvation. That's a that's a good, that's a very good thing to be concerned about. Uh but the way that he thinks about his salvation is just a little bit off. So I want you to consider the lawyer's question in verse 25. He says, Teacher to Jesus. Uh, Maybe, do I have that? Yeah, I do have that as a slide. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And let me tell you how he really put that. He, you know, that's kind of future-oriented. You know, what must I do in the future, you might think, but that's actually not how he asked it. How he really asked it um, was something like this. Um, having Having done... What you know, having done a bunch of things uh, will I inherit eternal life what you know he he put it in the past test this having done and and the picture is um of maybe someone approaching heaven's gates with just a bunch of stuff that has been done throughout life, and he's he's saying, Jesus, having done what will I inherit eternal life so he's just imagining coming up to heaven with all of this stuff that he's done and he's asking Jesus what you know what needs to be in that load of stuff that I will have have done throughout my life ready to check into heaven now it's not uncommon for someone um, to be saying something like that uh, saying something like I know that I'll go to heaven um because i'm a pretty good person i don't do um anything terribly wrong and if you are um someone that identify, identifies as an evangelical christian boy it's sure easy to to think oh i know what i would say to someone like that i would say oh hey hey you are you're not saved by what you do you are saved by god's grace through faith through what you believe isn't that what an evangelical Christian would be tempted to say to someone who says, I'm a I'm I'm a pretty good person. I'm, I know I'm I'm saved because of that. Now let me here's the first surprise of this passage. Uh, Jesus never corrects the man, does he? He doesn't say, wait, wait, hold on there, buddy. You aren't saved by what you do. Jesus doesn't correct uh this man. Um He says, Well, how do you understand the law? And the lawyer replies in a way that Jesus himself had taught, love God fully, love your neighbor as yourself, and Jesus says, you got it, you got it. That's what God's law is all about. Do this and you live. But the lawyer is caught up in a bit of dilemma. See, he wanted to justify, he wanted to justify himself based on his actions. So the the issue for him was, "Am I doing enough?" And uh, let me say that asking that question, "Am I doing enough for salvation that never is the right, <laughs> never is the right question?" Uh, but the lawyer tried to do that. He, and he did so by asking this question, "Well, who is my neighbor?" In other words, am I doing enough with who I love right?" now and he was hoping Jesus would say something like many Jews would say well your neighbor is you know a fellow Jew who is faithfully um, following after God's law that's that's your neighbor those are your neighbors be loving towards them and then the lawyer if so would be able to say well been there done that I'm in I'm in Uh, If you are planning on appearing before Jesus one day and trying to convince him of you are doing enough to receive entry into heaven or if you try to justify yourself by pointing to your actions, you are in the wrong position. That will not go the way that you hope that it would. Nobody will be able to enter into heaven by pointing to one's Frequent good works. But at the same time, it's clear by what Jesus says that your actions are really important. Because the very last verse, verse 37, Jesus tells this man now go and do likewise. Go and do, go and act. So I want to make a statement that I think is supported throughout the Scriptures. You can look all throughout the Bible. You see this pointed out one way or the other. And it says, loving God and loving others is the way to life. It's the way to life because it is the way of life. Not, it's not what you must do to earn life. It is the way of life. And if it's the way of life, then it is the way to Life. It's not your golden ticket into heaven. But the way of life in which God's Spirit leads us. Love is the way that God knows leads us to real life. He knows that the opposite of that, this slower inner death of harboring grudges and being bitter and being jealous and... Having hatred uh, that 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 is not the way of life, and therefore it is not the way to life, so let's look at this parable and let us let us consider the actions of of the Samaritan that we get to so the parable starts with a man, and Jesus' Jewish audience would have assumed that Jesus was telling about a Jewish man. A man fell victim to robbers, uh, which was not uncommon back in Jesus' day. If you're traveling down a country road outside the city and you are traveling alone, you are at great risk of of being assaulted and robbed. And that's why people would always travel in groups in Jesus' day if they were leaving the city. But as Jesus tells the story, uh, this man is traveling alone and he becomes a victim. And he's badly beaten and stripped of his clothes, and that's a significant detail. And they beat him badly enough, for now he is half dead. He appears to be dead, but we are given this little information that he's half dead, not quite sure. And if um, and, and, and along comes a priest. And did you notice where he goes to as he passes this man who appears likely to be dead? He goes on the other side of the road. Well why is that? Well, because um if this man actually were dead and the priest were to come within a certain distance of him, five feet or so, then he would be considered uh ritually unclean. He would not be able to fulfill his priestly duties for a week. He'd have to spend seven days of becoming ceremonially clean again and he wouldn't be able to uh, work in the temple. He wouldn't be able to receive his pay. So he goes on the other side of the road to make sure that he was in a safe distance from this person in the event that he actually was dead. Then a Levite comes along. Same thing. He goes on the other side of the room, road. Same risk for him. Don't want to be ceremonially unclean. Now, um, for the lawyer... And for the Jews that were listening to Jesus tell this, this would be per, per, you know, perfectly reasonable behavior. Completely understandable um, because of, of who they were and their roles that they carried out in the temple, and they wouldn't want to become unclean. Then a Samaritan comes along, and Jesus quickly points out how differently the Samaritan is, act, is acting. He says that he has compassion on the Jewish victim. And right there, um, another surprise of the story, um, the, the, the Jews listening to Jesus would be thinking right there, okay, Jesus, you just went off the rails. Because for a Samaritan man to offer assistance to a Jew, let alone feel compassion for a Jewish man, it would have just been shocking, crazy. This is a surprising detail. And Jesus is very intentional about the the, the details that he shares as he tells this story. The Samaritan cleans and doctors um, his wounds. The Samaritan man then puts the Jewish man on his donkey and takes him to additional care. Now, why does Jesus include these details? Well, these are the things that the priest and the Levite fail to do. The priest, being a higher class, would have likely owned a donkey, would have been riding on a donkey, not walking down this road, riding down that road, and he could have at least put the man on his donkey and taken him to safety, but he did not. The Levite likely did not own a donkey, but he could have at least treated the poor man's wounds, but he does not. But the Samaritan does. So what is Jesus' point? The Samaritan acts in love in ways that the priest and the Levite were not willing Um, the Samaritan is willing to relate to someone who very well is not of his clan that would have been very different it's interesting that Jesus tells us detail about the, the victim being stripped of his clothes clothes in ancient times would have been a clear way to identify whether this man was a Jew or a Roman or a Samaritan He doesn't have any of those clothes on him. There's no way the Samaritan has of knowing, is this man friend or foe? Yet he goes up to him and spends his money and his time. Two days of wages, two denarii, two days of wages he spends. He promises to pay more later for additional care that is needed. So the Samaritan is out at least a couple of hundred bucks already in in today's standards. And um, certainly, he spends a lot of time um, completely putting off his his schedule for the day, and even the next day, just to care for this man. Now, Jesus says to the lawyer after telling the story, who acted like a neighbor? And it's interesting. The, the 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 lawyer begins by trying to test Jesus. At the very beginning, it says the lawyer tested Jesus in his initial question. But at the end, when Jesus asks him who was a neighbor, this lawyer doesn't try to get himself out of it. He doesn't backpedal. He doesn't. It's like he has this moment of just a real heart to heart between him and Jesus. He doesn't say, oh, well, that's not what I really meant by all that. I mean, he simply owns up to the truth. He doesn't admit that it's the Samaritan, doesn't say that name. But he does own up to the truth by pointing to the action of the man. It is the man who showed mercy that was the neighbor. And I think the lawyer responded that way because he was so compelled, as we are, when we see people take action. It's one thing to believe, it's another thing for our beliefs to translate to action, and that's what is compelling. So last week we talked about the core teachings of Jesus, and there are plenty of things um, to believe are true. You see them in the scriptures. There are plenty of things to believe in life that are true, but only there's only a few of those things that we believe are true that really are worthy of really shaping how you respond to the world. I mean, I can believe that arithmetic. Two times two is four. is true. Does that really change my actions? Maybe not. But there is this small little subset of everything that is true that we believe that is worthy enough to change our actions. And that's what Jesus is getting at here core actions of what it means to be a person of faith so what are the core teachings of Jesus that we talked about the last few weeks who is God who are you how are you to live that's what we want to get our mind around and then we want to allow those core teachings to to shape how we act so what are the actions of a disciple? Today I want to look at five core actions that we see in this story. And then next week we're going to look at four core actions of how we relate to God. Today we see core actions of how we relate to to others. So the first core action I see here actually is it's it's a little hidden, I think. Um, one, fundamentally the Samaritan in the story first saw himself as belonging to a community greater than himself why did he stop to help because he saw himself as a greater community than just himself he recognized the common humanity of his victim he realized "This, this could have been me so to be a disciple means you have to see yourself as part of a greater community where you share responsibility for the care of others who are much different than yourself, and that's a key. See, the Samaritan had no idea who this man was. Was he a Samaritan? Was he a Jew? Was he a Roman? I don't know. I don't care. I'm going to help. So let me tell you what he was willing to do. He was willing to make his circle bigger. And that's 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 a core action of a disciple right there, being willing to make your circle bigger. Disciples of Jesus make their circles bigger. So let's put this down in print. You can fill lines in your note sheet if you would like. A disciple values belonging to community. The church is not fundamentally supposed to be a place where people of similar tastes, personalities, likes, similar ideas, similar backgrounds get together and enjoy one another's company. I say the church because I think this is kind of the prime community that a disciple begins to widen their circles. Fundamentally, the church is a place where very different people who have the common love of Jesus, but different people choose to love one another despite differences. And that love that we share in the church community is then to be a sign of God's love. So the challenge for Christians is to be a part of this ever growing circle that we want to be the church. The lawyer wanted to keep a circle tight? I only have to reach out to those like me, right? No, Jesus says. Ever expanding circles for Christians. Two. A disciple shows compassion, and the Samaritan showed compassion. Look at verse 33. Verse 33 says, And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And that word pity is most, well, maybe not most commonly translated as compassion, but in other times in the scriptures, translated as compassion. And what that word means, it means being moved in your inner being, I mean, really feeling it in your gut, not just in your mind, but in your gut feeling compassion. So a disciple shows that that compassion, that gut level, oh, I am concerned for that fellow person that is in need. Three, I see that a disciple in the story, the disciple serves others. See, here is the Samaritan. He's sacrificing his time and his comfort to serve the victim. Spends his day taking care of him. Spends part of the next day at least taking care of him sets the man on his donkey, sacrifices his own comfort so that he can serve this, the victim. Four, a disciple is faithful with money and possessions. We see this in that story. The Samaritan views his finances differently than others in this story. It's been noted and preached on that Um, There are three views of money being presented in this story. Moving from least faithful to most faithful views of money and possessions. So one, what's the first view? The view of the robbers. (laughs) The robbers have a particular view of possessions. What's yours is mine and I'll take it. That's the first view. Then there's the, the view of the priest and the Levite who fail to offer assistance. And they have a particular view about money and possessions. What's mine is mine, and I'll keep it. And that's the view that many, many people have. But the Samaritan's view is the view of faith. What's mine is yours, and I'll give it. Now I want to get to the fifth core action in just a a moment. But let me give us a few things uh, to think about. Maybe chew on these this week and, and apply these. Um, first, resist the urge to disconnect your Christian beliefs from your actions. When we disconnect our beliefs and our actions, we're thinking about our actions in a, in, in, in a completely wrong way. Actions do not earn salvation as an alternative to faith, but actions are evidence of a real faith through which we receive salvation. And love is the primary action of a disciple. So just look at these scriptures. Um, love being the primary action of a disciple. John chapter thirteen verse thirty-five says, uh, "By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another." That's the that's the prime. Visible action that a disciple will will have. Uh, From 1 John 3, verse 10, This is how we know who the children of God are and the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. and if you were to ask jesus now jesus who is my brother and sister what do you what do you think he'd say <laughs> we cannot disconnect belief from actions because our actions are indivisible from the life that jesus wants us to have one more scripture from first john uh, chapter 3 this time verse 14 <laughs> It says we know that we have passed from life to death because we love each other anyone who does not love remains in death don't you see it's not believe the right things and you'll receive eternal life and you might be ha- you might happen to be loving as well maybe not no that's not it belief life and actions are all together by believing we receive life but we walk in the way of life when we're walking in love hatred in your heart that's just living in death stay away from that don't walk down that pathway walk down the pathway of life and that's the life of love so first resist the urge to disconnect your Christian beliefs from your actions second Know that love in action is characterized by personal cost. We know that love is love because it's costly. You know, if I were to say, you know, I wanna I wanna I wanna show Melissa Melissa, my wife, how much I love her. I'm gonna treat her to a wonderful night out. And I plan the night around where I want to go to eat and do what I want to do. and Maybe go see a movie, but see one of the movies that I like to watch. What am I showing? How much I love her? No, how much I love myself. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must, what? Deny themselves. Take up their cross daily. Follow me. <laughs> So what if the Samaritan man, instead of helping, just went home, and and his wife asked him, "Oh, how's your day, honey?" And he were to say, "Well, to be honest, I, I was really shaken today. On my way home, uh, there was a bloodied man that I walked by on the road. Someone must have attacked him. I felt really sorry for him. I thought about him all the way home. What'd you do? Uh, oh, nothing. But I felt." really sorry for him. You know, as his wife might have said to him, if he were a disciple, wow, it doesn't seem like there was much picking up your cross in that moment. So know that love is characterized by personal cost. And the third thing, know the true Samaritan in order to become one. You see, Jesus does not minimize the demands of the law. He doesn't let the lawyer off the hook and say, yeah, 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 you're right about the law. Love the Lord fully. Love your neighbor yourself. But you don't really need to do that to be saved. You just need to believe the right things. He never says that. And we can stand beneath... God's commands and law for us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And want to ask, okay, Jesus, is there a loophole in that? Can we lessen that just a little bit? No. No. And um, because it seems so impossible at times, it's easy to think, you know, I'm just going to I'm gonna remove my. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna. I'm gonna move out from underneath God's commands. I'm not gonna to listen to him. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna say, yeah, that's unreasonable. I'm not gonna do that. I can't do that. That is not right. So, what do we do about that? Just the demands, the difficulty of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving your neighbor as yourself. Well one way to deal with this is to realize that you really ne- were never meant to be the star of this parable who's the star the real star of this parable Jesus is you see Jesus sacrificed himself for us at great personal cost just like the Samaritan just like the Samaritan the story Jesus risked his safety. In fact, he was he was beaten by others and he was killed by others. He paid great personal cost. Jesus was despised just like the Samaritan in the story. Jesus takes the time to mend your wounds. He pays his great cost, even his very life to restore you to health. Jesus made his circles bigger and bigger and bigger by coming into our world and reaching out to sinners. So this is how we can love others, by looking at the true Good Samaritan, Jesus. And this leads us to the fifth action of a disciple. It's not really apparent from our text, but when you put your faith in Christ, when you keep your eyes on the true Good Samaritan, which you can do today, there's this big picture that happens in our life. We start living out our faith. And here's the fifth action of a disciple I want to point out. A disciple shares his or her faith. Sharing your faith is bringing others to a greater awareness for, to a greater awareness of love for Jesus Christ. And when the true good Samaritan Christ comes and rescues you and brings healing to you, what do you do? You want to help others to come to know about Jesus and experience that as well. So next week we'll look at four more core actions of a disciple. What I want you to do this week, I want you to, to consider these five things that we talked about today. What are you strongest in? Which action of you Which action of of these five are you strongest in? Which action of these five are you weakest in? Take the one that you need to grow in. Bring that before the true good shepherd and say, Lord Jesus Christ, help this to become more a part of who I am because you did this for me. You served me in this way. You risked so much. You Gave of yourself your time. And you served me. Now, Jesus, help this to become more a part of who I am. Help me to do this for my neighbor. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for this, this parable. Such a compelling story, challenging story, inspiring when we see someone move to action and we want to be those kinds of Christians. We want to be these disciples that are inspired to move to action. Lord, help us to know that you are that good Samaritan to us on a daily basis. Help us to draw close to you and rely on you for the strength that we need to now go and do likewise. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.